The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. All right, welcome on to a West 15 and 60 edition here. And we're going to just go through it in alphabetical order with your questions. Got a bunch of really good ones here. And let us begin with the 35 and 27 Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the Mavs are 6 and 4 since the last 15 and 60. They're up to plus 2 net rating, which is 10th. Strong 8th in defense, not as strong as last year. Um, 19th in, or 8th in offense, 19th in defense. Uh, 538 projects them to finish with 42 wins, which is tied for fifth that's a potentially important development and they're going to make the playoffs and i think we could start with this question from at knep 24 which is basically we've talked about and we talked about this in the locker room pod for those who listen to it about adding another ball handler in dallas um dinwiddie's been mentioned but do you think they can make a run at kyle lowry or is he too old for the timeline well ideally yes i think that's pretty clear 35 years old for Lowry but he's also a great fit and this is a team that needs to take some steps forward Mark Cuban paid the luxury tax back in the day when they were a contender he said back that in 2011 that they it became less important under the new CBA but somewhat maybe like the Warriors just to this this is their last chance they have to really sign somebody good really whoever the best player is that they can get regardless of age because Luca's max extension and not only max extension but Rose rule max extension 30 percent of the cap is going to kick in and then they're really very unlikely to have salary cap space for the foreseeable future and so this will allow them to bump their payroll up maybe make some trades in the future as well once this 2021 draft obligation to the knicks is off the books that'll really open things up as far as being able to make trades with picks in the future so if kyle lowry is the best player that they can get you know, maybe you'd say Dinwiddie would be better because he's a little bit younger, even though Lowry is probably better than Dinwiddie, or at least at this point, uh, and, and you prioritize the future a little bit more. That way you can get a guy on a longer contract. But if Lowry is the best guy they can get, yes, absolutely get him. He's a good fit. That's my opinion. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much on board. I The important thing to remember here is basically that Dallas has this flexibility to use now, and they have to use it in some way. And I think Lowry, with all of the, all of the so many of the talented 21 free agents evaporating, because they signed extensions, he could end up being the best realistic option that they can get. Um, but you know, there are a lot of things to consider, and I think that is a um, a good way to kind of transition into a question from at Real Mister Three One Four. Basically, and there are a couple of these too. There's one from Villiers NBA about kind of like where do you go from here? And so this one was can you explain the Mavs fans that the roster has quality depth and does not need need a dramatic overhaul? And I think it it has capable depth, but I also think that the Mavericks, unless they can get like a clear number two, number three in 
free agency it, this offseason, whether that's through uh, a trade or free agency. I think that some of that depth actually, it, it is very good, but one of the challenges for Dallas is that arguably other than Jalen Brunson, and maybe if Josh Green or Tyrell Terry steps up, they don't really have a lot of guys that you expect to get better moving forward. They have, you know, DFS, is, this is age 27 season, Hardaway if he comes back, 28, Maxi Kleba, 29. So like the idea that they're going, that they can do that now being healthier, the Mavericks will look better than they have right now. But the, if the goal is a championship, I think their, their depth doesn't get them quite there. Now the dream was always to add somebody higher in the pecking order to knock everybody to the best spot. But if that's not the case and they want to win a championship, I think they're going to have to aim a little higher. Yeah, that's interesting. As you go through their roster, I would some of these guys at their best, I think, can be the type of pieces that they need. You know, Finney Smith, I wish he were a little bit better shooting the ball. He's become a better driver and playmaker. Uh, I wish he were a little bit stronger. I mean, Finney Smith is shooting 39% from three on five attempts a game. I and mean, that's not anything to sneeze at. You wish there was a little bit higher volume there. And also, I, I think he's just a little smaller. He's not quite as strong as, as your number one defensive stopper. Kind of same thing with Josh Richardson, actually, who is going to be a free agent. Uh, in theory I, I assume he's gonna opt out of that but we'll see how his playoffs go if they go really bad maybe he opts in i do think that moxie kleba at his best can be a championship level of role player but with uh, we've really liked kleba for a long time but he's slowed down a little bit i think offensively i don't know whether that was covid or nagging injury he's also 29 so i i'm not sure that he's gonna be that two years from now when they're kind of ready to win jalen brunson you know championships are not won and lost on the back of backup point guards uh, and I, I think he's someone who can come in and, and give you minutes in the playoffs but he is a little bit small you know there, there's that aspect as well the centers are the centers that's no no big problem but i mean your biggest problem is the lack of a solid number two and we they hoped porzingis would be that we hoped porzingis could be that he had you know a couple of good games against the clippers last year but he, he's looked like he's really been it's been a struggle for him defensively which is i mean that's the bigger disappointment to me is his defense rather than his offense this year which i think has been fine uh so yeah i mean they kind of just need like another bump up and down the roster and just the lack of defensive versatility that we harp on so much with other teams um you want to do this one on uh jalen brunson from uh big match three sure uh the question is is jalen brunson a top three backup point guard in the league and I didn't go through like every roster, but my my inclination is yes. I think that Brunson, he his ability to finish around the basket, he's not the greatest generator of clean stuff in pick and roll. And it's true that the Mavericks, like Brun, the offense, unsurprisingly, is much better in the Brunson plus Luca minutes rather than the Brunson minus Luca minutes. But I, I I like the way that he can that he can create for himself. He can create for others, and it's also not the strongest time if we're talking purely about backup point guards as guys who come off the bench and run an offense. It isn't the strongest time for those kind of guys right now. There, there, are, there are other players who've had who have had good seasons, like Reggie Jackson. But yeah, I'd say Brunson. Off, I, I think he's top three. Yeah, Devontae Graham would be in that conversation. I would say that Brunson's maybe a little bit above Graham uh, with his size and uh, ability to finish inside Graham is the better passer and shooter if Spencer Dinwiddie counted as a backup point guard like the Brooklyn makes the trade for James Harden he'd probably be coming off the bench he'd probably be number one but he's not healthy right now 
Uh, and uh, Monte Morris, for a lot of people, would be in that conversation. I'm less high on him as well. Oh, you know, and Patty, Patty Compos- Mills. Yeah, I'm sorry? Patty Mills. Yeah, Patty, Patty Mills. Uh, maybe Ricky Rubio, depending on whether he... I mean, he's. I know he's not starting right now. D'Angelo Russell is not starting right now, so he, you know, he, he would probably have to be number one, despite the fact we're not that huge uh, on him. Just simply the way he's played this year in the regular season, TJ McConnell, but not, not in the playoffs. But it, we made this observation before that backup point guard is much more important in the regular season than it is in the playoffs where these mo- the small size of most backup point guards uh, becomes a problem later on in the playoffs anyway yeah that's a really good point i think we can do this one quickly from from esri on discord um I feel like this can go to you initially, though I have a response to it. Um, now we pay for Dunkton's cold, logical approach to hoop analysis. How do you feel Rick Carlisle has performed with the limited Mavs roster in a tough season? Yeah, well, this is the free pot, but uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> so so we'll uh, maybe we'll should we be less cold and logical? Um, it's just it, I'm really loath to say that they that he's doing a bad job or, or anything like that. It's it's the same thing that it always kind of is with him where they could be running more but they i mean this is the the hardest season to run in particularly with all all of their issues and when they're playing a a six foot eight guy at point guard luca was able to run more i think actually in europe uh that's the one part of his game that hasn't developed as much and carlos teams haven't run but uh and i think it's their offensive performance has been disappointing this year to say the least i mean i had them before the season as they and brooklyn in the top tier by themselves for the best offense the nba and they were the best offense in raw terms in history last year so yeah it's a disappointment that they haven't been able to get better particularly because i think lucas had a statistical season that's been a little bit better they haven't gotten as much out of the bench so i mean you can't give them a good grade but i also still ranked him in the top five of my coach rankings again this season just being so screwed up i just i'm loath to give it much weight in the end one also dallas had the problem of having a lot of guys out at the same time which is something that i've given a lot more credence to you know with some of the delays and COVID absences and everything else so 19th in defense it looked a lot worse early in the year and that's something that can happen with various teams this will come up later in the 15 and 60 as well is that when things are bad early you remember it a little bit more but i think their defense when i've watched them it's looked much better over the the last let's say three weeks yeah quickly here uh wolfgang amadeus banga asks about the mavs playing good switching defense with kleba and even melly powell willie Kleistein as their bigs i'm not as much a believer in melly and powell at the highest levels although melly has looked better in some of the games that i've seen but uh and maybe they should trade Porzingis well okay but you still need that second offensive star and Porzingis as limited as he is in some ways is their best option there so yeah they're they're uh man it's it's just between free agency and Porzingis and some of the role players not working out I mean we've we're just so high on what the Mavs were going to be over the next five years before this season and everything has gone gone wrong for them let's get to the 42 and 21 Denver Nuggets they are eight and two since the last 15 and 60 and I think they've only lost one game since Jamal Murray went down. That That's pretty incredible. We predicted that they might fall off. Compasso has been awesome. Obviously, Jokic has, I, I think, I, I got to go through again and look at it really closely, but probably a solidified MVP, even in my skeptical eyes with this run. Plus 6.1 net rating overall. That is fourth best in the entire league. Fourth on offense, 12th on defense. They continue to improve there, projecting for the four seed with 47 wins, but they're kind of like right in that mix there. They could, they, things could potentially move up a little bit if some of these other teams struggle. 
yeah, it's going to be very interesting to watch how all that works out. Um, got this question from Drew, Drew Fishman. Overall thoughts on Michael Porter Jr.'s play since Murray's injury. What are the next steps he needs to take as number two for the Nuggets to compete in the playoffs? And I've been impressed. I mean, he's ramped up his usage and and has generally been pretty, has looked pretty good to me, you know, both with the eye test and if you look at the statistics. I would love to see, you know, you don't, you have Jokic, so you don't have to have Porter Jr. create a ton himself. Um, But also his, I mean, he's, I think he's shooting like, I thought he shot over 50% from three in March. And so I think it's like 46% overall since the all-star break. That's going to tone down a little bit just because it has to. He's not, you know, he's nobody's that guy really. Um, I'd like to see him get a little bit more dynamic with the ball in his hands. You know, not, I think he's more of a secondary tertiary creator. You and I wondered back going back to the hoop summit, whether he could be a primary, but alongside Jokic, you want somebody who can kind of do the two dribbles in a good decision. And if he can consistently do that at a reasonably high level, I think that makes him a more viable number two offensive player on the Nuggets. Yeah. And the question is whether he can do more than that. Could he be a guy on the second unit split up uh, from Jokic? I mean, the efficiency numbers overall are absolutely and completely insane. The one thing I'd like to see them do even more of for him is coming off of screeds off the ball and bombing some threes. I mean, the numbers on that are, are good, not unbelievable. Everything else is completely unbelievable. The other thing that's interesting is he doesn't really post up very much. And when he has, he's only five out of 16. He's actually in the third percentile on post-ups a very low turnover player but that's where the bulk of his turnovers on a percentage basis come from but if you look at his iso numbers and his pick and roll numbers i mean those are all really awesome and he's shown more in terms of his ability to get to the basket euro step make plays uh, off of one foot against more of a set defense since murray went down and certainly is optimized by playing with Jokic in that system so definitely next year i'd like to see them play around with having him be the primary guy on the second unit maybe use him more as a role man try to space out maybe you could put naji at the five and really give porter a lot of space to work with and develop him in that role to where that gives you another option to put the ball in his hands at the end of games as well at times maybe reduce the load a little bit in the regular season on Jokic and obviously let him work on his passing as well drawing the defense and setting up others that's one of the bigger weaknesses in his game he's got 54 assists all season so that's less than one per game that's uh that's got to improve you know if he's really going to be you got to at least get up to like three or four right even someone like Carmelo Anthony who I think is a very nice analog for Porter was that that level uh let's roll through these in lightning fashion here we got a ton of nuggets questions yeah I mean we could do this one quickly of basically if you redrafted 2018 where would Michael Porter Jr. go and I would have him fourth behind Luka Doncic Trey Young and Shea Gildress Alexander there are other guys that could kind of could be in the mix but I think with how well he's done I think MPJ is fourth uh from the discord uh hamama 34 uh as great as Jokic's offensive season is he still has some flaws on defense without him they have a great defense with him on the floor it's bad I, I do hesitate a little bit on those numbers I mean I think it's they also have a terrible offense when he's off the floor I, I think there, there's some sample issues to say that their defense is so good without him generally his numbers advanced numbers in the regular season have been fine defensively even good with some of the the plays that he makes in terms of getting steals is defensive rebounding but it's more in the playoffs i can give a stat on that too just very briefly opponents are shooting 38 percent on threes when Jokic is on the floor and i believe they're shooting 32 percent when he's off that's mostly not yeah yeah league average this year is up to 37 percent 
But it, the question is, what can they do to improve the defense for the playoffs? Can Jokic win a title with the, his weak defense? And again, it's never been the idea that he's so terrible in the regular season, but he doesn't protect the rim. And so therefore you have to protect him. And so what they settled on is probably the best scheme in that Jazz series that changed things in addition to Gary Harris coming down is just giving a ton of help off the wings, not allowing the pick and roll ball handler to get ahead of steam and get at Jokic. They'll also put him out on the floor every once in a while, but then that leaves a lot of rotations that need to be made on the backside. I don't think you can do that time and time again. Maybe you can throw that in. I think the biggest thing you could do is hope to mix it up. And depending on, I mean, maybe you're even can get to the point where we're going to play it a certain way when it's a pick and roll ball handler that we don't really respect finishing at the rim that much uh and we'll play it a certain way when it's a guy who can shoot threes off the dribble and we'll play it a certain way when it's a guy who wants to get all the way to the room I mean, maybe you can even have that level of versatility where you can just change it up even based on the strengths and weaknesses but you're obviously you're putting your finger in the dike over and over again and that that is my my supposition is that Jokic cannot win a title with the, that defense that it's really going to be a struggle for Denver to do that and uh, Again, I Jokic is one of my top five players ever to watch. But uh, as a certain commenter said, this is cold, calculating reasoning. And so I, I think it's more likely than not that they just can't get to where they need to uh, from a versatility standpoint defensively. Yeah, remember when I said this was going to be the lightning round? Mm-hmm. we got a couple minutes left, though. Uh, we got a question from at the neck lord. Is, is Jokic the best regular season for Razor in the NBA right now? And I I still think of LeBron as being the highest guy for that because of the, the way that he can help an offense and also, you know, be a capable defensive player, but it doesn't have to be the linchpin. But the big argument in favor of Jokic is that if this is close, he is remarkably durable and he plays a lot of minutes. He doesn't miss time due to injury. So if if you're counting that in significantly, I mean, LeBron generally has been very durable, but has had significant absences in two of the last three years, whether you want to say that's happenstance or something else, then sure, I, th- I, think, it's a, I think it's a reasonable argument, though he is one of a few players I would consider. Yeah, I think Denver has figured out ways to mask his defense of weaknesses better than some teams would james harden has to be in that category as well but particularly given the health that he's shown over the course of his career i would have to say yeah Jokic is certainly in that conversation lebron to me isn't quite as efficient in the regular season and doesn't actually carry quite as high of a usage in the regular season compared to to what we've seen from harden harden proved again his floor raising with the the net so i probably would have to go to james harden just what we've seen uh, over the years uh but uh, Jokic is certainly up there and, and uh man it is crazy to think that i've been working with helix sleep since 2015 and i think that's because my story with them seems to really resonate with listeners if you've never heard it before that was kind of the beginning of the direct-to-consumer boom and there was another very prominent mattress company at that time that was trying to convince you that mattresses were one size fits all they found the one formula the one mattress that was going to work for everyone my then girlfriend now wife and i ordered that mattress we ended up having to return it because hey guess what not everyone is the same and then she did some more research and found helix sleep we took their sleep quiz and we found a mattress that actually worked for us and our body types and uh, helix offers 20 unique matches everybody sleeps differently and helix matches are designed for specific sleep positions and field preferences hot or cold side sleeper back sleeper so take that helix sleep quiz find your perfect mattress in under two minutes 
and it's shipped straight to your door free of charge it's no risk because you really need to sleep on the mattress in your own home you're like well how should i order this if i can't sleep like yeah you're not going to learn anything by going to the mattress store and sleeping on the mattress where do i take my shoes off do i leave my shoes on but then my feet kind of hang off the bed because i don't want to put my shoes on the bed and is it weird that i'm laying here for more than 30 seconds you can't tell anything under those circumstances you might as well just order it get it sent to your house get that hundred night trial they're 10 to 15 year warranty depending on the model and there's never been a better time to try a helix sleep mattress because they are offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash capspace easier slash capspace we talk about all the time here on the program that's helixsleep.com slash capspace this is their best offer yet i can attest to that since i've been working with them for nine years and it won't last long with helix better sleep starts now don't forget that slash capspace url to let them know that you came from us let's move on now to the 31 and 32 warriors and they are six and four since the last 15 and 60 have some good wins have some bad losses they my biggest observation about them over the last week is they just look completely exhausted i saw it in person at that king's game we talked about that at dunked out prime on monday where they just don't appear to have the juice they got totally out rebounded in that loss to minnesota who's been surging lately uh but still six and four since the last 15 and 60 21st in net rating negative 1.6 24th on offense danny and ninth on defense they project for the nine seed 36 wins 37 percent chance of the playoffs per raptor 26 elo i could do this one quickly from um mark ohm um what are the odds that the warriors pick is better than Timberwolves? pick and the answer is exceedingly low assuming we're saying it in in objective terms because even if the Timberwolves won out and the Warriors lost out the Warriors would still have a better record and so thus the only way that it happens is if the Warriors jump up that requires them a not making it out of the play-in which is certainly possible I mean it could go either way and then moving up so that's maybe like I think it's like a four percent chance if they end up where kind of they might be so no that's that's not going to happen now there's of course a chance that the Wolves pick doesn't convey and maybe the Warriors pick this year is better than the Wolves pick that conveys next year but that part of it it's not going to happen uh jonathan kuminga burner asks in a scenario where the warriors aren't in debt to Steph for billions would they be better off rebuilding getting a james harden plus package for Steph and blow it up well Steph's only have one year left on his contract and he's also older than harden so i'm not sure that you would necessarily get that uh, starting this off season now i still think uh, this is the existential question of just like what are you kind of in this business for and the blazers may end up in in this spot with damian lillard as well Stephen curry to me is the most exciting basketball player to watch since michael jordan and that's that's part of this right this is an entertainment business from it in addition to being in in debt to stuff for how good he's been and being underpaid for a while and just being a franchise legend there's a lot to the idea that you need to actually make money in this business too and and they're trying to refill chase center they want to get warriors fans into the habit of paying a ton of money to come to warriors games uh, again to start printing money at chase center they've sold part of the team there they had to amass some debt to build this building so keeping Steph around just from a business perspective is a, a good idea now if Steph says hey I'm gonna leave after a year then maybe you reevaluate that but also I think that they still feel that they want to see what it looks like with Clay Thompson and they still have the asset of James Wiseman maybe he can look better next year and, and improve his trade value or in their eyes not mine be a a really quality piece and then they've got two first round draft picks this year as well that they could potentially trade assuming that Minnesota pick uh, does convey being top three protected 
Uh, maybe we should take this one next from uh, Mark Ohm since we mentioned the draft pick situation. Oh, I thought I already ha- I already tackled that one. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's go to this one from from Scott Garda. Basically, he said if for next year, what is the best closing five the Warriors can play? And my answer, I mean, Curry, Clay, Wiggins, and assuming he's still on the team, and Draymond are are pretty locked in as four of them. And then that fifth spot, Ubre, if he comes back, is probably my favorite for it. But that could be. I, I think there's an underrated chance that that's somebody even with a tax pyramid level that could be a better fit just somebody who can provide a little bit more force spacing and best case scenario james wiseman is that guy but i don't think he will be well, andre guadal will be a free agent danny it actually wouldn't shock me if andre came back it wouldn't stun me either yeah but uh no i think it's got to be someone who can shoot a little bit better uh to really unlock the offensive potential of uh, that group uh okay let's get to the houston rockets 16 and 47 2 and 8 since the last 15 and 60 did have a rousing win with kevin porter jr going off on the Giannis list milwaukee bucks uh, had over 50 points 11 assists youngest player in nba history to do that he, he beat lebron uh, on that obviously a little bit higher offense uh, of era but negative 7.7 net rating is 27th in the nba 27th on offense 26th on defense this is a team that is more capable i think you know if we we're doing some power rankings right now which might be a good pod someday of just how teams are playing in the regular season at this particular moment but they would at least have to be ahead of okc and orlando at the moment uh and they project for 18 wins last in the western conference they have been eliminated from the playoffs very oh, exciting look, i want to make a quick point i think we might have crossed a, an important rubicon with the with the rap with the rockets over the last week or so which is right now they're projected to their current record projection from the raptor model is worse like it's 18 wins which is fewer than any other team has right now so that means it was looking like they have a pretty strong grip on the worst record which is extremely important in terms of retaining their pick um doesn't guarantee anything of course but with especially with some of those teams at the bottom either being better earlier like the thunder or trying more now like the wolves it's looking like that's going to happen no you make a good point there uh, yeah the wolves are are now ahead of them and that's quite important with the top four pick uh that they are top four projected pick that they owe to okc although really all they had to do was finish in the top three and it seems like that is pretty much assured at this point i never want to say never in this crazy season where teams can just start playing well and you catch a team on the wrong night when they're just exhausted and you can just beat them by 20 and so maybe they I, i wouldn't totally rule out that they could go on a run but right now they're projected to finish five games worse than the wolves three games worse than the magic and five games worse than the pistons and Cavs. so they're going to get in the top three you would think almost certainly and as long as you do that you got the same odds at keeping that top four protected pick yeah and also worth noting the rockets have an extremely difficult schedule now difficult schedules can shift late if teams have like clinched their spot maybe they'll sit some of their guys but it doesn't look like that like they play the the lakers and the clippers i think those teams are gonna have something to play for late could be wrong we'll have to see we got a lot of questions on a similar line which is kind of about timelines and everything else and i think maybe the best one to use this for is uh, Genebox on Discord. And that was, do you think that Christian Wood's timeline fits the Rockets' rebuild schedule? He's good now, but might not be there when they actually start being competitive. Uh, Should they look to trade him before the contract is up? And first things first, as a course of business, I think you you need to see what Christian Wood wants. He chose to join your organization very recently, and it it's a bad look to move to move away from that if that's not what he wants, you know. And that generally can filter its way to other players, potentially to other agents and to the press. Uh, and and I think also Christian Wood. 
good as as talented as he is, I don't think that he is good enough to like hurt their draft picks during this asset accumulation time. So I don't, th- I and I also don't think that he's going to pick up a really premium asset. So yeah, he doesn't fit it perfectly, but I also don't think they need to make a move. Yeah, when you talk about their timeline and whether he could be part of the next good Rockets team here, uh, as uh, at name and birthday asked is what is their timeline and man i mean with the fact that they own their pick in the next two years outright and then starting in 24 it goes to to the thunder top four protected for a while because of the westbrook trade and tillman fertita certainly uh hasn't done incredibly well with the restaurant industry and also there's you just have another departure from the organization with tad brown now it seems like they've got some brain drain i I, like i said you and i have liked what rafael stone has done so far but it it does seem like this is an organization that may be in for a long winter here and that it could be five years uh there'll be an inflection point with christian wood after his second season with the rockets when he'll be eligible for an extension but they're going to run into the problem with him uh where 120 percent of what he's making now which is about 13 million might not be enough as a starting salary so you'd expect that he will either he's going to turn down that extension and then three years from now at a minimum he'd be a free agent i don't expect them to be a good team three years from now and i think he'll if they're not he'll probably want to go somewhere where he can win or perhaps even more likely that they would just look to move him once he turns down the extension so i think the odds of him being a part of the next good rockets team are pretty low honestly yeah i would agree with that uh kevin porter jr what do you see as his ceiling as a player and obviously the most impressive thing for him has been his playmaking and the Cavs give credit to them they saw that this was a, a possibility I mean the ceiling is very very high which is pretty good for a guy you gave up a top 55 projected pick for which I think that may end up not conveying uh, with this Rockets team uh, but I, he's also been very very inefficient so far this year but I don't think there's any reason why he can't improve his jump shot to being solid I don't think he's going to be an elite shooter but i think he could be an acceptable volume shooter you know i think somewhere along the lines of what demar Derozan was in his best days that's kind of where is that his ceiling maybe his ceiling's a little higher than that uh but you know i i, I can't go far uh, so far as to predict superstardom with him and then you know ceiling ignores the idea that some of the personal demons could catch up to him as well because we're saying that everything's going as well as it possibly could but I, I think DeRozan is a reasonable analog, although certainly I would say Porter Jr. is ahead of where DeRozan was. But it, develop, it, it's interesting. Development, I think, is changing because teams are just putting their keys in the hands of young guys more and more than ever. Well, and something that I think is important to add, um, why I might go higher than DeRozan, as, as remember, we're talking pure ceiling, we're not talking about like expected value or anything like that, is that I trust Porter's jump shot more, and he's coming up in an era yeah. where that is where that is being more incentivized. You know, shot thirty four percent last year, up, and then and he's been a pretty good free throw shooter. When I look at his form, it doesn't look you know it doesn't look terrible. So if he can get up to basically to me, the threshold is I don't think he's going to be a pull up three point shooter that type of thing. But my kind of in some ways that what and the DeRozan parallel is interesting here like he could end up being like a capable secondary guy in a starting five and potentially a closing five who then can also run the show in whole or in part on second units and i think that is an incredibly valuable player and to have somebody who can do that at six four who i think is best defending twos then that opens things up a lot in terms of whether you want to have a different kind of a second unit or various other things and so i i think that's a very useful player 
Yeah, and he, he's shown a little bit more as a shooter off the dribble, and he, it, with, he's a 47 out of 123 off the dribble, which is 38% field goal, but a lot of those are threes, so his e-field goal percentage is 50% off of that. Now, as a catch-and-shoot guy, he's been terrible yeah. so far this year, but there's, and I think he, as a scorer, he's probably one of those rare guys who might actually be more comfortable getting into his jump shot off the dribble, it, being in rhythm that way, but generally guys can improve it as catch-and-shoot guys. I mean, it's interesting, like DeRozan is a terrible catch and shoot guy too that was kind of part of my thought uh, thinking about that comparison man i just love american giants just an amazing clothing company i was reminded again of how much i love it when i drove from california to montana over the all-star break and you know what it's like when you're on a long road trip and it's cold particularly when it starts off warm in the bay and then we get into some really cold areas you're like well i don't want to wear like my jacket in the car but then i get out to fill gas I'm going to be freezing, but the American Giant hoodie was perfect because despite being made out of a nice heavy material that'll keep you warm, it's not too hot as well. So I was able to wear it in the car, not be too hot, step out of the car and still be warm enough when I was filling up gas or going into a restaurant or something that I didn't feel like I needed my jacket, even when it was cold outside. And things are amazingly durable. I proposed to my wife wearing an American Giant hoodie in the Grand Canyon almost seven years ago. I still own that same hoodie. I still wear it constantly. And American Giant has since spread out into all sorts uh, of other types of clothing like their premium slub crew tee the no bs high-rise pant the slim roughneck pant featured in giant magazine issue two every american giant piece is made in america and designed to last no exceptions and it provides year-round comfort so find a closet staple for every part of your spring days at american-giant.com and get 20 percent off your first order when you use that finger code capspace at checkout easy remember we talk about capspace all the time here on the program that's 20 percent off your first order at american-giant.com don't forget that cap space code to let them know you came from us all right let's get to the la clippers here 43 and 21 7 and 3 since the last 15 and 60 did lose two straight earlier in the week uh they had been i think 17 and 3 over their last 20 they are now 17 and 5 uh second in the nba though in net rating plus 7.1 Kawhi leonard probably going to make his return here in the next couple of games he was uh, upgraded at least to being doubtful midweek last week and it, we're recording this on saturday morning by the way so a little earlier than we normally would and Serge Ibaka is had, doing some activity, but doesn't sound like his return is imminent. They are second on offense, 11th on defense, projecting for the third seed at 49 wins. will be making the playoffs. And uh, let's get into these uh, a little bit more deeply here. Uh, I think didn't actually get a ton of questions on the Clippers, which is kind of not surprising to me because they've just been uh, the most under-the-radar kind of boring team all year, it seems like. So where do you want to start here? I think we could start with, with the one on the prospect which is a question from traveling snowman on discord how do you envision terrence mann fitting into the clippers future plans what position is he well defensively i think he's a a very solid guard i've analogized him to bruce braun with the nets and the way he's been used and because 
but I also have been pleased with his shooting in that New Orleans game for example he was actually shooting on the move a little bit he's his corner three has been more aggressive at least with that so that gives you a little bit more versatility for him uh, but for two great shooting teams like the Nets and the Clippers man and Braun I, I think that's and I would say man if anything is a better finisher inside even uh, than Brown is uh, Brown might be a little bit more intense as a defender but they're both uh, quite good there and uh man also has a little bit more athleticism but that's kind of the archetype and that's when you say what position he is I understand the question because it's not really that much of an archetype that we've seen before and this sort of like rim running five on offense who is a guard on defense there's so much shooting now and some of these teams that you can actually get away way with that sort of a player um you know maybe even kind of a similar role to like what Andre Guadalla played offensively with the Warriors to some degree uh, that's kind of how I see him I don't know if that position has a definition I mean he's a guard you're gonna he, he's gonna play guard in terms of like you know the size wise distribution of your lineup but yeah it is kind of a hybrid I'm significantly more optimistic that man can be can kind of fill some of the shooter roles I do think that he has some of the chops to do to do the role man stuff the Bruce Brown comparison is is reasonable but i actually think there can be more nuance to man's offensive game his on-ball stuff is you know i mean he's he's 24 so i think it's fair to say like that he's probably not going to be that on-ball creator not that you would normally expect that for somebody kind of like man but as you said he's a better he he can be a capable finisher and we'll see if he could eventually have some sort of mid-range game but i think he's going to be a a low usage kind of complimentary player who probably typically comes off the bench but maybe in certain certain circumstances meaning surrounding talent and certain circumstances meaning opposing talent could end up closing some games for you and i mean for a guy who was taken with the 48th pick pretty good yeah absolutely and they've kind of i mean daniel latoro we haven't really seen anything from him yet or any indication that he's going to be good they struck out with kevin gale but they've obviously also had some pretty big hits shaping uh, uh most yeah god they've really been hit or miss can you imagine if they just drafted shea and porter jr instead of drafting jerome robinson 13th i mean so they they've had some like massive hits and some massive misses well and remember the clippers uh, then this. like we, that was you know we thought they were going to be good enough that they could roll the dice on porter jr and if he if he was hurt then so be it and I mean, yeah yeah they had one of the deepest teams in the league it made well and at that time too we were like hey like they uh, and and i totally i had no idea that shea gilgis alexander had the type of upside that he's proven to have uh, as an offensive player but at that point you were like hey they've got like a good organization they've got some picks going forward but what's what star potential do they have like they they if any team should have t- rolled the dice on porter jr I, we thought it was them at the time uh but anyway that's uh they're, they're still pretty good here this is a good one from uh, on off basketball in a Jazz Clippers playoff matchup, the Clippers close with Morris at center. If would the Jazz consider going small with Ingles in for Gobert? Is that just playing in the Clippers' hands? And yes, I do think it's playing in the Clippers' hands uh, because you're essentially the Clippers have stars, they have spacing, they have guys who like to want to go one on one who can go to work and that's just you know putting joe ingles in what does that do does that make you better defensively i don't think that it does right i I, honestly if you had either joe ingles or rudy gobert defending in an isolation i'd rather it be rudy gobert and gobert can still be a help defender at the rim also depends on who the clippers also have out there if the clippers put rondo out there i would actually put gobert on rondo and see how that went uh, if they're not going to have a great shooter out there but 
Morris. Well, there's, there's another uh, is, kind yeah, of basic point to me, which is if the if the Jazz are doing that, then defensively they're basically saying, okay, we're a switching team now, and being a switching team against the Clippers isn't a good idea. Like they don't have those kinds of defenders. That's a part of why their defense is so heavily built around Rudy Gobert. So you're sacrificing something that you're good at for something that you are not good at. And you know Conley's not a great switch defender. Mitchell at certain times can do it. Ingles isn't that guy either. And so it, it's and even Royce O'Neal, like as 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 much as I like him in different matchups, he's not great in that either. So I and also like we the team that gave the Clippers the most trouble in the playoffs last year, one of two, but the the Nuggets definitely did. That's not the approach that they used, and they were able to you know shut things down for the Clippers more in the mid range. And I think there's plenty of reason to believe that the Jazz would be better off doing that. Well, yeah, and you need to punish them inside to some degree on the glass. Uh, and also Gobert gives them that rim roller who yeah they're switching but you could still get inside position put pressure on the rim force help on the backside very quickly here Marcus stupid Lakers or Clippers a worse matchup for the Nets I don't know the answer to this I think that the Lakers could beat the Nets with their size and athleticism uh, but the Clippers are a better isolation team going against the Nets switching I think I, I think I'm gonna say the Clippers because I you know I'm just not sure that the Lakers unless they have a at center are going to be able to score well enough to keep up with the Nets or maybe the Clippers could I think the Clippers can switch a little bit more they've got guys who can defend up and down the lineup but I I don't feel strongly about it either way do you quickly do you have a, a an opinion there I think I'm a little bit more strongly pro Clippers here than you are but not very much I, I think that they well the Lakers things. also just haven't been playing well I mean that's right. the other problem too but we'll see LeBron came back we'll talk about them actually right now they are 36 <laughs> and 27 three and seven since the last 15 and 60 they were playing well and then AD came came back and they've struggled had a, a rough loss despite lebron playing 32 minutes last night and mixed bag for lebron he had a couple of uncharacteristic turnovers just lost the ball in the last five minutes when terrence davis was pressuring him uh i thought it was a little troubling that he said it, my ankle still felt a, a little tight he said his wind was fine his wind is always fine he, he keeps himself in a, uh it's all the versa climber he keeps himself in, a, in unbelievable cardio shape so you know we'll see how he and ad look i mean that's one of probably the biggest question in the whole nba over these last few games or so uh but overall plus 3.1 net rating is eighth 20th on offense second on defense uh 42 wins uh, Jovan Buha had this stat as well that if the Lakers do go on to win the championship they would do it with their best players missing more time than basically any two best players have for a team that won the championship but you know this is a fucked up year so I'm not willing to rule it out either particularly when LeBron James is involved so they're they're uh, projected a tie for the fifth seed 42 wins what we got here so we can do this one from Ellie Weiss um basically how would you rank the minutes in terms of how you would give them of the non Anthony Davis Lakers bigs in the playoffs Drummond Gasol Harrell and Marquise Morris and how do you think Vogel actually allocates them so my order would be uh, Gasol one just well so here's the first important thing to remember the number one would actually be Anthony Davis at center so you know the number one option is none of these dudes then number two would be Gasol just because there's some matchups where he his physical strength and his also you could see how much better the ball moves when he's on the floor with LeBron because he's an intelligent yeah. intelligent player they're, they're over their starting lineup with Gasol actually had very good numbers right so I would have Gasol one Harold 
too, just because there's a theory of it, and especially when LeBron is not on the floor, I think that Harrell gives them something different, and the defense has been better. Credit to Harrell, credit to Vogel during those minutes. And then Drummond Markeith, I think that's more matchup specific, but like that is where I would have Drummond. I think Vogel's going to have it Drummond, Drummond Harrell kind of one, two, depending on situation, Gasol three, and maybe even Gasol four, Markeith three. Yeah, there's this thought that, oh, we got to wait to see Andre Drummond until LeBron is back, and then he's going to have him crushing alley-oops. I just don't think that Drummond has that level of athleticism anymore, and he really struggles to, to finish around the rim. I might have Markeith even as the highest, which is kind of crazy to think about. And well, so the idea Morris being that he's, shot, the, he's yeah. the four and eight, he's the five. Yeah, I was thinking of it as, as yeah. the center, but that's fair. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whoever, whichever you want to call the center, but I, I mean, the, the crux of the question, if you're putting Markeith out there, uh, then presumably that's with ad as well if you're putting him with one of these other guys then i think his effectiveness goes down but he gives you a little more defensive versatility uh he isn't shooting it that well from three but he at least is just gonna kind of stand out there uh, which these other guys aren't necessarily going to do um but uh, yeah i mean the ad markeith combination is probably the most proven to be good of any of these and harrell i just don't really kind of understand what the point of him is out there when you already have lebron and ad so we'll see maybe drummond will be better defensively than we expect in the their system this is an interesting one here chris bachelor what more would lebron have to do to be considered the greatest of all time by a majority of people and uh is it more championships just performing a high level for another few years been consistently the best player for 14 years yeah uh i mean I made this point before that Jordan at age 35 was still the best player in the NBA. And then he retired for the second time. And obviously we came back with the Wizards and that doesn't really, he was still you know, probably some of the better age 38 and 39 seasons that, that we saw. But also, you know, those Wizards teamness never made any noise. They were terrible outside of him. So if LeBron wins the championship and is the best player in the NBA again this year, at least for me personally, it's going to get pretty, pretty damn close. Now, part of Jordan's argument is I think he was the superior player in the regular season to LeBron, but it was also easier to do that when you missed an entire year with a broken foot and then you you didn't start your career until age 21 and then you took another two years off with the retirement. So, I mean, for me personally, they win another championship this year and he takes on all comers again and does another year as the best player in the NBA. I mean, I think you would, at, at that point, LeBron would have more years as the best player in the NBA than Jordan pretty clearly now is that there's you can argue that there wasn't just the same level of domination i also think that this towards the end of jordan's career was actually a weak era for the nba with expansion and some bad drafts in the late 80s early 90s lebron this is to me uh, these last five years has maybe been the strongest era in terms of overall talent in nba history and to have done it over totally different styles of play in different eras so i, I mean it, it would probably be there for me it's hard to ramble on for so long obviously having grown up in chicago this is a difficult question for me but uh, uh do you have any thoughts on this one it's different for me because i didn't grow up with the sport in the same way um i th- i think there are kind of two interesting lebron arguments one of which we're not having which is the greatest career for an nba player and i think that one you're probably competing more with kareem because because jordan missed so much time you know with with the retirements and everything else and i think it's interesting that lebron i think he has a credible case eventually for both we'll see we'll see where things go from here but i i've always thought of greatest 
player of all time as being more about peak than about longevity. Like that's just my idea. And it's, and so I don't, I think that it helps just because this reinforces what it was. But for me, what LeBron does now is more salient for the greatest career argument, which I mean, he's getting a really strong case for than the greatest player ever, because I mean, he was, we already know what these guys were in their prime. It's already happened. Yeah, but if you're saying that it's pretty equal what they were in their prime, but LeBron's prime was like 50% longer than Jordan's. I, I see your argument, and that's that's where I've gone to. I, I mean, at that... So basically, are you saying there's kind of nothing more LeBron could do at this point? It depends because it's so. I, I think we're in the, we're in the space with LeBron versus MJ that it's very it's kind of ephemeral. Like I don't think there's any clear line in the sand. Yeah. That's why I think the greatest career argument is actually more interesting, but nobody ever wants to have it. Um, but I think that it's it's somewhat. But but so that means that if it's more ephemeral, then this stuff does matter. And so no, I think I think that winning a championship as the best player on the team would actually make a big difference. Yeah, I think you would have to say so. Um, couple of really quick questions here what should the lakers walk away number be for schroeder and what's plan b well those two questions very interrelated uh, as i think uh well, Stephen i'll, Keating I'll, I'll know plan there. b like if the if schroeder leaves the lakers could potentially have their full mid-level like they they might have enough in that you know there isn't a this isn't a great point guard class but i don't think it needs to be as extreme as some would say yeah i think it, it would be interesting to see what spencer dinwiddie's market becomes i think it's going to be pretty robust but perhaps that devolves into a one plus one for the mid-level where he would want to establish his value and also get uh, you know b- being in la has some advantages especially well, also, I think, also he's from there focus guy oh yeah you make a great point uh yeah we, we go back to our uh, all area teams <laughs> yeah so so maybe he would want to go there establish his value uh and so maybe that could be a thought the lakers always kind of seem to get somebody you know but I, you know i think it would the and the full mid-level that's a lot more appealing on a one plus one particularly if you kind of say all right we'll give you four years with a 120 percent raise off of that the year after as opposed to just the taxpayer mid-level so yeah there's some thought there okay anyone who's seen our youtube videos knows that i don't wear formal stuff all the time so when it's time to dress up rather than dress down i highly recommend inochino they were the official outfitter of my wedding i got my tux from there all my groomsmen got their sport jackets from there as well i felt really good about having them be the outfitter of my wedding because all my groomsmen were going to get stuff that they could continue to wear that fit them perfectly because when you go somewhere else you're not going to get something that's made for you so why not measure yourself in 10 minutes or visit a show room rather than feeling like you're wearing somebody else's suit that they tried and failed to tailor for you and not only does indochino have the suits that made them famous but now they've got everything blazers pants women's wear outerwear designed and made for you hundreds of high quality fabrics to choose from european wools linen cottons tons of colors tons of patterns you can customize things like the lapel the vents the pockets and you'll get a piece that is personalized for you in fit and style. Level up your game with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com. Use the code CAPSPACE. Use the CAPSPACE. We talk about all the time here on the program. You get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's 10% off at Indochino. I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O. Indochino.com. And don't forget that CAPSPACE code to let them know that you came from us.
Let's get to the Grizz. Yes, the Memphis Grizzlies, 32 and 30, 6 and 5 since last 1560. They have a positive net rating, plus 0.6. 17th in offense and that strong, 8th in defense. 538's Raptor model projects that the Grizz will finish 8th. And the different models give them a Raptor 57% chance, ELO 76% chance of making it into the final 8, the best of 7 part of it. Um, We got um, we got a bunch of different questions, I think, on an interesting idea, which is basically, um, I'll do the one from Arthur underscore Cash. Uh, the Grizzlies are a tough, deep team with a lot of young pieces and a promising young star in rent, but uh, the questioner doesn't see them as a real contender anytime soon. Uh, what is something they could do to get to that level faster? And I, I think this is a fair a fair consideration is that the Grizzlies, you and I both like a lot of their young players, but they don't really have a guy that I trust, even if Ja gets to a number one, they don't have a guy that I feel great about as a number two. Jaron Jackson could get there, absolutely. But he, he, and who knows, maybe even like Melton or somebody else could get there. But odds are, I think that they're going to need that guy. And the draft is, they're probably too good to get Get that guy by the draft, you know, maybe you hit hit a hit a great thing. But so I think it's 2022 free agency is going to be the real chance there. But it could also be via trade. Like it doesn't have to necessarily be that. The consideration though is also the best trades that Memphis could make would probably be consolidation trades, and those very rarely bear real fruit. Like a, the number two player on a really good team. Yeah. It- I think you just gotta like with so many of these teams you gotta hope that Jaron Jackson figures it out both from a health perspective I think offensively Jaron Jackson's upside might be a little bit underrated he's a both with his shooting and he's a pretty high usage guy he's been like 25 percent usage already and considering his floor spacing aspect if he can figure it out well enough to be a solid center defensively you know he's not gonna be Anthony Davis defensively but think kind of like an Anthony Davis light and then also spacing the floor the way he can and being a, a solid finisher as an alley-oop guy, get some post-ups uh, as well, uh, you know, quick rolls to the rim, face-up game, you know, could can he be, again, not going to be as good as Anthony Davis. The, the Anthony Davis has been a top 10 player in the NBA for seven or eight years now. But think Anthony Davis kind of light and maybe Jaron Jackson could be a top 20 player in the NBA. Then you're cooking. But yeah, it is hard to see how this Memphis team gets above sort of like a second round playoff exit type of team. Uh, this question is a one that I think we should talk about here that I probably haven't hit on enough. Uh, Will Walker asks, how should the Grizz navigate the Justice Winslow situation this offseason he says picking up the option seems like a no-brainer and I'm not sure that I would go there if they actually had just a little bit more money on the books I think it would be a no-brainer let's say if they were going to be right at the cap or five million under the cap without picking up his option then you say yeah pick it up because we're we're gonna we're not gonna have significant cap space if we leave him and or or if we decline the option and we'll have our mid-level regardless and we can get that in without going over the tax like the the spurs have kind of been in that situation with rudy gay where it it wasn't a team option but they could basically re-sign him for a little bit more than the mid-level exception and it wouldn't affect anything else that they wanted to do and there was no opportunity cost so why not just do it but if Justice Winslow's team option were declined, they could have $22 million in space. And not only is that $22 million, you know, one way to use that is for a free agent, of course, but they could also do an imbalanced trade. And when you think about all of the all of the depth that they have, and also a lot of that is on expiring contracts, like you could think of something maybe involving Valanciunas. So, hey, this team is getting a player who can help them and also saving a ton of money. Like, I, I, don't, I don't have any targets in line, but I think the way you do that... Yeah, maybe they could pursue Andre Iguodala. Well... <laughs> 
Well, and but maybe the way you do this as Zach Kleiman is you have all of those trade conversations first. You can have a rough idea. You know, the trade ones you can do, that's not violating anything. And then free agency, I'm I'm guessing they could have a rough idea of where things are going before before they go. But So I agree with you that it's not a no-brainer, but this is one of those circumstances that you and I agonize over, I think, more than actual general managers do because they have access to more information than we do. Yeah, so maybe your question is, do they would they want to go after Norman Powell or Evan Fournier or Victor Oladipo to get that third scorer in? Would they value that more than Justice Winslow and his defense? I mean, if $13 million for a guy, if you've concluded that he's just not going to start for you, now he's only 25, and he's coming back from a rough injury, but he's had a, a lot of rough injuries in his career as well. There isn't really on the market anyone you would view as a replacement for him necessarily at that a guy who can guard the three as well as he can and cal anderson is solid there dylan brooks is solid there but you know neither of them are quite i think as good as as winslow could be at his best so you're just going to decide hey do we need more offense with this group or do we want to stick with winslow and get some defense or do you just make that bet on winslow and then you've still got uh probably gonna have about 40 million in cap space in the summer of 2022 which would kind of be the their last chance to jump in that's even including 27 million dollar cap hold for jaron jackson jr actually yeah yeah it would be 27 million for him so and that's probably you know that could be pretty close to what he ends up getting in an extension they also probably want to extend kyle anderson at some point we'll see what whether that ends up being something that they do well and remember right, something, get, so, just yeah. briefly something else that, that the grizz could do is trade for somebody on a longer term contract you know with that cap space and a, a filler salary or two that'd be an interesting way to do it absolutely but let's, yeah, let's they've get, got all their picks going forward they sure. yeah, i mean that's also something they could do just like a first round pick and one of their depth guys uh, maybe um they also might want to just see what they have as indy anthony melton as a starter but let's sure. get to the wolves there yeah minnesota 20 and 44 an awesome six and four since the last 15 and 60 up to 26th in net rating that was actually a watfo was whether they'd finish worst they're not going to uh the wolves are 25th in offense 28th in defense and 538 projects them to win 23 games which is tied for 13th that means third to last in the western conference they are eliminated from the playoffs that that was getting at what i said in the warriors question and i think the big one we got asked this a couple different ways um but from mark ohm wolves trender mirage and my answer would be it's a mix of both i think that the wolves when healthy were always better than the dismal performance that they put out there on the floor especially when towns was out but i I looked it up since d'angelo russell came back and you could argue the hot streak was a little later than that because of some of those demolitions they had at the hands of really good teams they're still 27th in defense and so that's what makes them a little bit different is like during that time they've had a negative differential they have had the offense has been much better but like if you're comparing them let's say some people said the bubble suns and all that they haven't been nearly as good during the stretch and they've done it against some fortunate opposition yeah, they've kind of been the team that we thought was one of the the better scenarios for them since Russell came back. We thought they're going to suck on defense. That was the case. I mean, I do think one nice thing is that Anthony Edwards' efficiency is up now. Like he's yes, he's not torpedoing their offensive efficiency the way he was early in the season, and that's a really a very very positive development for them. Uh, but yeah, you still wonder how the hell they're going to stop anybody with this group and Russell and Towns uh, playing big roles. But I think we got to talk a little bit about their draft situation. They've won four straight now to get up to twenty and forty four, and the five thirty eight projections are probably too low on them. I would say, and maybe too high on some of the other teams. That, but the five thirty eight projections have them finishing with twenty three wins, and that would be a tie with the Cavs and Pistons, and above the Magic 
So my expectation is that they're going to continue to try and win and that they're going to be probably this. They could even be the sixth seed in the lottery because they got the the Thunder also are projected to finish with 23 wins. And here's hoping they Uh, do. Thunder over, baby. Yeah, and then so I think there's as good a chance that I mean they they have you want to look at the win column for these bad teams they've got 20 wins and Cleveland and OKC have 21 each those two have two fewer losses but I could see the Wolves end up getting the seventh seed in the lottery and I I said this uh, on Dunked on Prime earlier in the week that would give them a and and that would potentially they would tie with toronto and, and sacramento there with uh, uh or I, they, they would probably still be below uh toronto and sacramento so they'd be you know have have about a 30 percent chance of keeping their pick versus a 52 percent chance of keeping their pick if they were in the well i guess it's top three protected so so that changed a little bit but basically you're looking at about a 20 percent lower chance of keeping their pick if they get from seven compared to finishing in the bottom three which seemed that ship even seems to have sailed as of now so they are really i, I mean maybe they want to just say hey we'll get that uh obligation off our books and that's nice but then next year they expect to be decent i, I expect them to be decent uh and so i mean, it's still their best case scenario would be jumping up into the top three keeping the pick this year getting another piece which they need and then maybe you're, you are cooking with gas then two three years from now if that player turns out to be good and you've got edwards and towns and russell as well uh the then you're really and jane mcdaniels I mean, you're looking really good at that point so they've yes it's been nice a nice story but they're also like kind of fucking themselves here a little bit um we can do this one from ebag on discord how legit do you think the wolves reasons all plays we handled that and where would you expect them to finish next year and this is the part of it that i think as even if you are a wolves optimist has to be kind of a problem is that their their offense to me like it can be above average i think that's totally plausible especially when you think that beasley's not playing right now and everything else but their defense they don't have the talent for it to be good they have a couple of guys that might be slightly interesting there and the west next year looks really strong now inevitably there will be injuries but you can't say that the wolves are definitely going to be healthier than anybody else so i think they're in that mix kind of like where the pelicans have been this year where you know maybe the spurs end up where you're like flirting with 500 but maybe not quite there and if everything goes well then you go a little bit over that if things go a little poorly you go under that and if i had to guess in next year's western conference knowing what we know right now that's probably in the mix for like the 9 to 12 seeds and so that leads to an interesting question about basically just is that is that good enough how much do you want to commit to that and um but yeah i'd say 9 to 12 is probably what i would guess for next season and that's not bad but it's also not thrilling let's do this one quickly here on anthony edwards from steve song working improve the most so he's able to help the wolves win more consistently and there's a lot a lot of those places uh, i think because the core of his game right now has been shooting a lot of three-pointers off the dribble and i don't think that that's something that they need a ton of going forward here with russell and towns so it's finding ways to be more efficient on offense being a faster attacker making quicker decisions that point five rule that greg popovich is such a fan of and that i think would fit into the overwhelming physicality that he has more rip it through quick attacks quick handbacks uh, playing off of towns which he started to get a lot better at 
recently and then obviously as a, a help defender i think is the other thing just greater awareness well and not even just as a help defender but as an on as an off ball defender just not losing track of his dude all the time because he's paying attention to what's going on other places on the floor like that that's awesome there's some real low-hanging fruit there that edwards has the absolute capability and he's cleaned it up a little bit but that's still i get more frustrated when he gets lost off ball than when he's not helping enough on off ball all right pels 28 and 35 four and six since the last 15 and 60 warriors and spurs are still kind of coming back to them they're within three and they have a all three of their remaining games against golden state so there is theoretically some hope there i really hope we get to see Draymond green trying to guard zion that will be great great theater there if it happens they may not put uh draymond on him that much they usually like him more as a help defender but maybe at, at the end of a close game still a uh, neutral net rating though for the pals on cleaning the glass they've gotten hurt in garbage time ninth on offense 27th uh, on defense interesting that that ninth on offense 27th on defense still gets you a neutral net rating and projecting for the 11th seed 32 wins they still do project to finish four games behind golden state at nine and two games behind san antonio at 10 there's they're slated for 34 wins and let's just get into this generally here danny a bunch of questions are just how do you maximize the team around zion how can this team get to be a contender around him and i, I mean i think let's just go with kind of a more theoretical construct at this point because they are somewhat hamstrung at the moment they do have plenty of trade assets still but uh, just theoretically how do you build a championship contender around this unique offensive force potentially generational offensive force that zion is so i think actually it's worthwhile to start on the offensive end because the argue because the the structure is easier you want players who can shoot you want at least one other guy who can reliably create on ball just because if teams try to take zion away you want somebody who can who can do things and maybe that's kyra lewis maybe it's not we'll have to see um but you want of course as many players as humanly possible that can shoot and ideally can do the two dribbles and a good decision thing so that when zion feeds them the ball they can do something positive with it i think that that is something really important so offensively you can find players like that you're looking not necessarily for higher usage though i think you want at least one guy who can do more and then defensively there are a couple different theories of the case one would be you could go to and i would say you want personnel for both in an ideal world is somebody who's more of a traditional center in terms of can protect the rim can ideally do that without fouling you know all those kind of things like the benefits that clint capella is giving the hawks for example but you i would say you also want to have enough personnel that if Zion gets a little bit better, maybe you can switch some more. And I think that if you can get some people, maybe it's instead of having like a clear five-man starting and closing, you have more like seven, and some of the guys are in the mix or out of the mix, depending on how things go. Yeah, are there like specific players that you think of and not maybe them specifically but just types of players that you would think i well here let let me rephrase this i think probably your biggest questions are at either end of the positional spectrum that those positions kind of determine your style of play a little bit more because wings are kind of wings they the theory is that they they usually can shoot fine and they can guard fine you know you, you need some of those players obviously you want them to be as good at shooting and as good as guarding as you can but 
are you going to go traditional point guard right like they've drafted Kyra Lewis at 13 I think they would you would imagine that they think he probably has starter upside but he also is small you're probably not going to be able to do much switching with Kyra Lewis do you feel like you need a guy who can be a pick and roll point guard or do you want someone who has some of those skills but also can kind of play more off the ball do you want your George Hill type or do you need the someone who all right we're going to put this the ball in this guy's hands have him run a lot of pick and roll and then at center obviously same thing do you want to go with someone who's a little bit more versatile at least in your closing lineup right do you want to try to find that Paul Millsap Draymond Green PJ Tucker type of guy to play next to Zion someone who can maybe shoot a little bit but also is a, a solid defensive player has some versatility or are you going more for that traditional center uh, and maybe you tr- hope that that traditional center can shoot better than the the normal traditional center but that guy is pretty hard to find a, as well maybe arguably as hard to find as your solid defensive power forward type so those are the main questions that i would be asking and i think to me i would trend more towards the kind of more versatile supporting type of guy at both of those positions rather than your traditional guy because again i think it all goes down to what is your ability to play different styles and you kind of just count on zion and they still have ingram too like those that's your two initiators and put everything should be focused on putting enough defense and shooting around those guys rather than you know a center who can post up or a point guard who can run pick and roll i don't think that does you that much good and the other point here i've said this before but i'll articulate it a little differently if i were david griffin i would be listening on brendan ingram basically all the time but i wouldn't necessarily be moving him just because i think that ingram there are parts of it that fit well with zion but i also think if you could reallocate those resources like let's say theoretically the pacers were interested in brendan ingram he would really give them a different kind of level you think about how he could go so a deal that involves both miles turner and brendan ingram or i mean hell if you can get miles turner a different way but i think ingram he is to me the type of player where a team could be more enamored with him than he possibly deserves and so i would be listening but again if the if the deals aren't good enough absolutely not you don't have to trade him but you can listen all right we got uh no not very much time left at all here so I'll, i'll do a quick lightning one on this as the Pelican fans, I'd like to know the worst case scenario for the Lakers this season and beyond. Oh, I'll just say briefly what the picks that they have for the Lakers. Um, presumably yeah. uh, 2022, because they're not going to get this year. Then a swap in three, 23, uh, probably not going to work. Then in twenty, then they basically have the option of 2024 or 2025. You assume you're probably going to do 25, depending. So LeBron is unrestricted in, 20, in the season of 23. And then AD has his player option in 24, 25. So, but they can make that decision closer to the time. They'll know where the Lakers when the Lakers timeline yeah I think probably as long as AD is there unless uh, your your hope is just that they kind of suffer an injury that year that you know LeBron is retired or just not the same and then AD may get injured presumably they're gonna find some other star that's gonna want to go there I'm sure that's the plan once uh, LeBron is retired I mean LeBron I think is gonna probably play till 40 uh but so yeah I mean honestly maybe something in like the seven to eight range I've I'm guessing they'll probably just end up deferring that pick until 25 unless 24 is amazing I mean that's the one nice thing is that you can kind of distribute that bad injury luck over two seasons with that uh, deferral let's get to the ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one That's the sound of all the sports you love, all 
at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Thunder here, 21, not 20. <laughs> that, that win at the Celtics. For, for those of you uh, on the free pod, uh, I have the Thunder under. Thunder under, baby. Uh, at 22 and a half. Other places, I think it actually went up later. So if I had, if it were 23 or 23 and a half, it'd be sitting pretty right now. But they were about to go 0 for April. They beat the Celtics. So Danny has the over. They need to get two more wins the rest of the way for Thunder over, baby. They can only win one more for Thunder under, Thunder down. They are 1 and 9 in their last 10. 30th now in net rating, negative 9.3. I feel like I can still chalk up the win for myself in some ways with that net rating. They're, they're going to win. How many games are they going to win more than expected? If they keep going at this rate, getting blown out constantly, like they might be pretty close to the record of uh, most wins more than expected. Uh, 30th on offense, 22nd on defense. Well, so That's it, falling it, fast. It, it's currently 6.4 wins over, <laughs> over expected. Nobody else is over four. The Cavs are second at 3.9. Oh, I mean, that's the largest number that I can remember. 6.4 wins fewer than expected. I think like last year's Pistons were five. We should go back and look at that at, at some point. Uh, that would be like a fun, stupid pod to do of like the luckiest and unluckiest teams of, of all time. But uh, yeah, so 538 though projects them to get to 23 wins and let's start here with ryan anderson poku hype aside if you're redrafting the 2020 draft would you take him higher than 17 let's uh let's give this a little eyeball here so i think the game here is which players drafted 17 or higher would you take poku over i think that we can do just that part for now okay uh probably huh i mean these guys are okay i'd probably take him over obi top him i we just value we value upside i think he's shown some of that here oh probably like i mean that's it's tough some of these guys went in the top 10 because they deserve it maybe not that many like isaiah stewart that's that this is like the ultimate question like isaiah stewart's been way better than him pokey would say has more upside but and stewart's pretty young too it's chance. not like he's it's not like he's ancient yeah. or anything no i mean but you gotta say stewart you know he's pretty short he's like six nine six eight big wingspan plays hard all that showing some switchability zach little wrote about that this week needs i'd probably have to take him over neesmith or even neesmith is playing yeah, he looked, neesmith looked like, good on friday yeah, yeah. uh well definitely jalen smith at this point but you know smith again he's he's had his own injury issues and, and I think he got COVID as well. He had this ankle issue. So he, he hasn't really had much of a chance. And as, as mentioned, it's been a wild year. Like a lot of these guys, if they had had the runway that Poku has had this year, they might have shown just as many flashes, even if they overall kind of sucked. Um, yeah, I mean, there's really not many people below him that I would take. Quickly. Yeah, maybe quickly, uh, or Sadiq Bay. I would, just put, being a little bit more valued, valuable type of position. Achua, I would I would think about. Poku still, I mean, he's shown some flashes. I guess he's been like kind of about how I expected overall, though he was so bad to begin with. Uh, I mean, he still is shooting 32% from the field and 26% from three on the season. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, all right, he runs pick and roll, he throws it behind the back pass it looks pretty sweet he bombs a three from the right wing you're like oh yeah okay seven foot like uh and he had a few shot blocks here and there as well i don't know that it would change that much up up like maybe two three slots not much more than that i don't think yeah, and it'll be fascinating to see in a year or two where we feel about that because I feel confident that he won't be in the same spot, but I have no idea where the hell he goes. Um, yeah, I mean, there haven't been that many guys 
early on that I've just been like, oh, this guy looks like a terrible bust, right? I mean, they're not a lot of them have like star upside, but like, so a Kongu hasn't done much this year, but he's starting to play better. Like you wouldn't take him over a Kongu still. I mean, there's a reason these guys got drafted higher than him. I probably wouldn't take him over a Koro still, even though he's had some issues, but he's been as advertised defensively to me. So like none of these guys have just been like, oh, this guy just doesn't have any Yeah, stuff. no, no, so Jerome, I, no I, Jerome Robinson's. God, he's taking a beating in this podcast um <laughs> yeah well uh, i'll okay. do this one from buddy corb on discord um which players do the thunder try to keep what kind of turnover rate and so I, I think this is a worthwhile exercise i mean so basically the thunder have team control over everyone on their team pretty much um and then th- that includes like restricted rights for tony bradley and svi if they wanted to i mean poku shay and i mean obviously shay's first basely i think i would listen but i'd probably want to keep him tied drums looked pretty good recently you know potential backup point guard teo same story Lou Dort. Lou, you might move not because he's bad, but because uh, I mean, he he doesn't necessarily fit your timeline, but you might also... Yeah, it, 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 I mean, he's, he fits the timeline in the sense that he's young, but he doesn't fit it in the sense that, like, a 3 and D player is much more valuable on a team that's trying to win. But, hey, I mean, as you mentioned, like, the guy's averaging, like, 26 points a game in April in, right. in admittedly somewhat limited time, but... And I like Kenrich Williams, but I think Kenrich Williams is ex- I, I mean, I, I think he's the type of player that you try to get something for just because he kind of helps you win too much now and the thunder aren't going to try to be good for another probably two years so i mean makes two million totally keep and then i i like isaiah roby he's continually roby and brown have continually surprised me i don't know where they slot in on a good team but they make nothing so i think you keep him around for at least another year probably two and hopefully by that point you're confident that one of them can be either a high-end reserve or even a starter yeah and i like this approach hopefully they're not going to get too invested in any of these guys like i think continuing to churn with some of these guys is a great idea they have so many draft picks that that's gonna have to kind of be the culture of like all right yeah we realized that we played you 800 minutes this year when we were tanking but you still got to continue to earn your slot going forward i I think this is an interesting one from alex J. basically asking how much stock you put in a player blowing up like moses broad having 17 points and 19 rebounds in the first half or or dort having these 40 plus point games or big game against the celtics and it all depends really on how it's happening is it just a, a usage thing are you doing it in a game you know this season i probably put less stock in it particularly on a team that's not trying to win that doesn't have anyone else and in this bullshit season where there's no scouting and teams are coming in just completely exhausted the way the celtics were in that game the other day and missing a bunch of people i put less stock in it this year and on this team probably than you would at any other season and any other team but it still does mean something that you can do that in an nba game i mean for example uh the the classic example of this is uh alec peters getting compared to larry bird by rick carlisle in the last game of the 2018 season when the mavs and the suns were both trying to lose and alec peters just never played in the nba again like the, there's it does it, it certainly can mean absolutely nothing but dort especially considering his defense the fact that he's a pretty athletic guy that his jump shot is looking better um i, I put a little stock in it but I not that much compared to just the overall season because particularly on this team anytime anybody is doing anything or has any kind of a way to score they're just going to feed him the ball as much as possible 
Should we move on to yeah, the Suns here? Yeah, I think that's here? totally fair. Yeah, let's do it. The Suns are 45 and 18. They are actually Oof. tied with the Utah Jazz as we record this for the best record in the Western Conference and the best record in the whole damn NBA. Um, the Suns are also third in net rating, plus 6.4, eight and three since the last 1560. Seventh in offense, fifth in defense, one of only three teams in the NBA that's top 10 in both offense and defense. Um, 538 projects them to finish behind the Jazz with 51 wins for the second seed, and they have already made the playoffs they're breaking a decade-long drought yeah that's that's pretty exciting and i'm glad that the suns are, are back i mean they've been kind of an nba sleeping giant for a while i mean that's a that's a big market it could be a free agent destination as well a lot of passionate fans there and just to have been as bad as they were for for 10 years was was pretty rough let's uh cross our fingers that robert sarver doesn't screw it up in the future has any team gone from out of the playoffs to a championship like the suns have the potential to do well like actually winning a championship uh well yeah the lakers 2019 20 they didn't make the playoffs right or or, or 2019 they didn't make the playoffs the first lebron year they got ad that won the championship the next year so yes that has happened uh another famous example they didn't win it but they certainly could have had it not been for uh joe johnson's injury was the 14 or or, sorry the 0405 suns still my pick for one of their probably the top five most exciting teams ever trying to think uh if any others really qualify here that i'm trying to remember i can't think of any others off the top of my head at the moment to act to actually win it after being out of the playoffs the previous year i mean even this year's nets did make the playoffs last year yeah i think that lakers team is the only one that comes to mind for me and and there's a difference uh, there where the reason the lakers didn't make the playoffs was because their their best player was hurt a lot of the year rather than the suns who weren't playoff caliber overall i mean they were obviously in the bubble but that's a different thing i'll do this one quickly from andrew lutz what would need to break right for the suns to come out of the west to me the biggest thing that can happen is uh, i like to think of this as a portland trailblazer situation which is that the most of the best teams in the conference are on the other side that if we're talking preferential path i mean not to say that suns cannot beat those teams but if you can get the clippers and if you can get the clippers and lakers on the same side of the bracket and get yourself on the other side that'd be pretty awesome and that is completely plausible i think the way it would happen is the that they're the three six and the suns beat the jazz for the number one seed which is i think is totally possible especially after their win on friday um and by that because basically then you only have to face one of them there's a chance that there's an injury or something yeah. else like that what a dream that would be right to have utah two clippers three lakers six that would be that would be even better than that portland bracket in 2019 if that happened yeah and i think denver like there's a chance that they pass the clippers but it seems like Kawhi is going to be back pretty soon so i think that probably the clippers should stabilize enough they have a pretty soft schedule too um so yeah i think i think getting to the one is the way that, that can happen of course there's also the risk that you get to the one the lakers of the five and so but if we're saying most favorable path that would be it and then one that i thought was interesting I actually thought about this a little bit from uh kvanz43 on discord um if devin booker could play defense as well as blank he could be a top 10 player in the league and I think Booker can be a more impactful I think he will be a more impactful offensive player than he has been so far but you know if you if you were to kind of think about it he's not at the same level as the offense heavily offense first guys like Harden and Willard were right around the fringes of the top 10 for us this year and this is a stronger top 10 than we would expect to see moving forward but if if I were to feel confident in it, the first guy I like when I looked at it a little bit was Jimmy Butler if he if Devin Booker were as good at defense as Jimmy Butler is he would he would be a top yeah, 10 player that's very that's impossible though at his size though he, he's just not but, as big but as, the more plausible but, way to do it would be Devin Booker gets better offensively and then he could then defensively he can be like competent and then he would be good enough 
Um, this is an interesting one. What has surprised you the most about the Suns' success this season? Number one, another healthy year for CP3 with only one game missed. Or number two, that they are top 10 on offense or defense. Uh, he, he, uh, he said you had him 11 to 15 on offense and 15 to 20 on defense. I did my, my tiers that I do every year in the preview. Um, that's not quite right. I had him as the number 12 offense and the number 11 defense. Uh, although in a, at the top of a lower tier that that went further down so you're pretty close on your memory on that one i mean i think being the number five defense to me that that is with deandre Ayton at center and dario sharich as the backup center to be number five in defense and obviously Ayton has taken yet another step forward defensively and they've had great defense on the wing and i again underrated the effect that chris paul has on a defense as well and the coaching has been fantastic that's an this is easily the best defense that monty williams has ever coached i don't think he's ever coached the top half of the league defense until this year so i would say them being number five in defense that's that's like completely insane i mean they've gotten to that point another one for me and yeah chris paul being there is is a huge part of it but that they've been this great on offense without devin booker having a truly special year like booker i mean i still have belief that he can be there but the for me it was like if the if the suns get there offensively it was going to be devin booker that took them there but it's been really an ensemble an ensemble cast including of course chris paul but that has been really surprising to me what do you expect from oh actually no that's the same guy who just asked that previous question let's do another one here uh what has deandre eaton done to improve his play and elevate the sun's defense this year is he ready to defend in the playoffs uh are we sure the suns will be able to defend at the highest level with him or charge out there and uh we got asked about this in locker room i don't think that the suns will defend at the level of a top five defense in the playoffs i think that that's and perhaps that's me sticking too much to my prior but the charge at center groups have fallen off a, a little bit uh, i think against really some of the best teams like you've seen that they they beat the clippers the other day but that was with them not at full strength they struggled against the clippers in the two uh the clippers already won the season series pretty handily uh you know i think they can do uh, the, the question of Aiton is an interesting one because i think his one-on-one defense against guys who are his size is very good i still wonder about it i still think of him as kind of an average ish pick and roll defender i don't think that you want him switching against the absolute best guys like for example you remember Lamelo torching him at the end of that charlotte win in phoenix so we'll, maybe he'll be a liability, but they also just don't really have anywhere else to go other than him and Jarrett's like one of those two guys is going to be out there as your center at the end of games. And this has been an unbelievable regular season for the Suns. They have well exceeded my expectations. Although I will note, I will note that I did consider it a possibility that the Suns could get the number one overall seed uh, this this season, that there could be a lot of unexpected results in the well, West and, this year. So I'll give myself a little credit. Well, and you and that. I were both pretty confident they're over. The only reason we didn't put it as a best bet was just because it was so unprecedented. But like, I mean, we thought they were going to be well over five. I thought they were going to be well over 500. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, now there's, and, and I, I thought they could, yeah. But, but anyway, back, back to the question. No, I, I'm, I mean, I don't think their defense is going to like suck in the playoffs, but they need it to be like a big, big strength. And I, I don't know that it's going to get to that point, but Hey, if you're the one of the two seed, particularly, I mean, if they get to the one seed, that's going to be massive to be able to play uh, a team that's not, uh, well, Portland, they would 
be fine against too if portland is the seven i think they're not dallas is a team that i think could have given them some trouble but I, it looks pretty much assured that they're going to avoid them so i think they're they're clearly going to get to the second round and then depends on the matchup is man if that dream scenario happens for them that's another great reason for them to push for the the one seed and we'll see what happens uh with the la lakers uh, as well certainly the lakers are going to be trying to avoid the clippers in the first round one would ah the sweet sound of sports you love from sling the collide of football pads the squeak of shoes on a basketball court the crack of the bat on a home run the slice of skates cutting across the ice but what about this one that's the sound of all the sports you love all at once starting at $40 a month experience it all live with sling sling think let's get to the blazers here yeah let's do it the portland trail blazers 35 and 28 4 and 7 since the last 1560 though they have bounced back from that really rough stretch um 12th in net rating 5th in offense 29th in defense um 538 projects them to finish with 40 wins which would be 7th in the west and they're probably going to make the best of seven it's for 93 raptor 88 elo and i think the place start because remember this is a mailbag we got a lot of the questions before the chris haynes piece came out and um we got one from from absol 13 on discord basically after that which was about after the haynes article about dame's most frustrating season it looks likely they're going to sign norm powell to a big deal we'll see about that um basically what are the chances that dame asks out or are you convinced he's still a blazers lifer and the the most important data point for me in the haynes piece and i recommend people read it is that I think Willard Willard wants to be on a championship contender. And I mean, you and I would have said back when they made that conference finals and got waxed by the Warriors that they weren't then, that they really haven't ever been. But if that's what he wants, it is my firm belief that that will not happen in Portland. And so that makes me much less confident that he is a Blazers lifer than I ever thought before. Yeah. And the crux of that piece, Haynes obviously has a very close relationship with Damian Lillard. Chris cut his reporting teeth as a reporter for or what I guess was probably like Comcast Sports Northwest or whatever. Um, you know, his known Dame since the early part of the since his rookie year. There is no quote from Lillard in that piece, but you have to imagine that some of that is informed at least by Lillard's thinking. Now, I think Chris also though ha- has a feeling. I think he's said this before publicly that you know Dame should be putting their feet to the fire a little bit more. And this was kind of in some ways this was a plea for him to do that, and it said that he hasn't. Done it yet um and dame has this feeling that you know he should be driving winning for his team that's part of why he, he's such a good leader i don't really know that this like you know if this is like a shot across the bow of portland management and ownership that they need to try harder in some fashion like i don't really know what else they could be doing like they traded two first round picks this uh off season to get robert covington and yeah covington hasn't worked out i really liked their off season while still acknowledging that it didn't make them a championship contender and We've got a little bit more time here on, and this kind of ties in as well with the question from friend of the program, Brandon Goldner, of who's most responsible for the Blazers' inability to compete for a championship, Terry Stotts or Neil O'Shea. And honestly, I think it's Damian Lillard. Now, that is not, I, I love Damian Lillard, but it's just, he's not, I don't think, a player who is as good as the player who typically leads a team to a championship. He's consistently been the eighth, ninth, tenth best player in the league in our rankings and unless you put a unbelievable ensemble cast around him that sort of player does not typically win championships and so that's like 
and there's no shame in that Damian Lillard is a no-brainer Hall of Famer one of my favorite players to watch in the NBA greatest blazer probably of all time you would say at this point but you shouldn't expect that a team led by Damian Lillard is going to win a championship have they maybe been a little bit below expectations for having a player of his caliber the last like you know three years or so uh, maybe a little bit they were above expectations in 2019 because things broke right for them the 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 2016 offseason like definitely really fucked them to some degree with the Turner signing and Myers Leonard and and Crab that really retarded what they could have done with this team but i don't know what, what do you think of that is that like a controversial thing to say i mean i i don't think that stats or o'shea have been like unbelievable i also don't think they've been bad it's just you know if damon lillard wants to compete for a championship he needs to team up with a player who is better than him i i disagree a little bit and i think that o'shea's part of this is potentially important now it is the one of the challenges that comes up is when a team gets good relatively quickly you know you don't have as many opportunities to build up that talent base and the Blazers haven't had enough talent to be there and it was it was always going to be difficult for them to get there and you know whiffing on a few late first round picks like if you want to go with Caleb Swanigan and stuff those those are mistakes but I want to point yeah. to one they've also developed some guys pretty yeah. darn well sure, too absolutely and they've also I mean look they've had plenty of hits uh but, they've had some misses too but here but, here's one that yeah. i would mention um they made the decision which i would say was the proper choice at the time to use their ammo in 2017 to move up 15 and 20 for number 10 but they took zach collins instead of donovan mitchell or bam out of bio if he makes that trade and drafts the quote-unquote right guy honestly yeah. either of them. i mean they they were never going to draft mitchell because they had cj there sure already. but i mean if they draft bam he doesn't develop the same way in portland that he does in there but like that would open up yeah. some scheme versatility possibly for them defensively um he, but i mean maybe and you draft mitchell and he ends up working out maybe you trade cj when his value is a little bit higher when he's a little bit younger like and again it's not like cat but the thing to remember with all this is building a championship caliber team is really hard and really unlikely and if you're doing it in a place that free agency is not particularly likely to bear fruit then i mean they probably the odds were even with damian lillard they were never going to be a championship yeah. so i guess my my yeah. biggest my biggest like blamer would be fate like just or just like the reality of the nba yeah yeah like damian lillard is not as good as steph curry or kevin durant or lebron james those are the guys that you have to go through unless you want to tell me that damian lillard is better than those guys you shouldn't well, be surprised and he's not, he's not better most of his career he hasn't been better than harden either harden hasn't won a championship yeah. either he's gotten closer significantly closer but he hasn't gotten there um just briefly uh, people asked about like the best cj trade of the blazers could make and the point here worth making as many times as we have to make it is that you very rarely trade a talented player for a similarly talented player in a different spot like generally the way this works is veteran star or star adjacent gets traded for lesser players and draft picks and so it's extremely unlikely that the blazers can find a trade partner and especially if you look around the top teams in the league there's nobody who's desperate for what cj mccall brings them so most trades of mccollum would make the blazers worse now well the the sixers are the team that's been pointed out ben simmons for cj but that was a lot easier when the sixers new starting lineup like wasn't that good now if ben simmons averages 7.5 points per game in the playoffs and they lose then maybe that gets reevaluated. that but that's that's the guy that obviously comes to mind for some degree but i don't really care for the offensive fit of simmons and dame either they I, they clearly have to figure out a way to get better defensively right I, I mean that's in the regular season you would just be like man like why like that's where you know for brandon's question with terry stotts like they should be better defensively and they have but, but should and they now, with their so that's with their all personnel? shade too well yeah well okay 
yeah i, I mean I th- that's where i think both stats and olshay shared the blame for this year was this bench defense that was just such an obvious problem i talked about it with mike richmond at the start of the season when when he came on host the lock on blazers and of just when we really went through the roster which i like to do talking about these teams for an hour it really gives you an idea what their issues could be i was like holy crap like they're gonna be so bad and, and with nurkic available they're they actually haven't been too bad with him out there but he hasn't played that many minutes he's been out so yeah what, what were you gonna say there well, portland has had a top half defense once in the last six years yeah, yeah i mean it happens they don't and, have and good personnel. Yeah, and that was the one year that they made it to the finals or the West Finals, although that was without Nurkic. Uh, and, and having Damon CJ, you probably have a ceiling on your defense. But I mean, this is a team that could be winning, you know, fifty games a year at least. Like they, if they just even had a competent defense, and the whole the whole Carmelo and Cantor thing, I think, and kind of selling their soul to Carmelo a little bit last year they kind of had to do it but then bringing him back I think was a mistake but hey Dame probably wanted him back right but so that's that's one of those things where like listening to your star and and what he wants probably isn't a, a great idea let's get to the Kings here not a ton of questions about the Sacramento Kings so uh we try to spend more time on the teams we have more questions on since that is apparently what the people want but we do cover the entire league of course uh 26 and 37 4 and 6 since the last 15 and 60 and what a ride it's been for these guys Sunday they have a really nice game against the Warriors end up losing Monday they beat Dallas but Harrison Barnes hurts his groin they've already got De'Aaron Fox out in the COVID protocols and he very likely has COVID given the amount of time that he's supposed to be out then they basically suffer one of the worst losses of the last 40 years against a jazz team missing mike conley and donovan mitchell and they do it at home one of their first games uh, with fans uh and then they beat the lakers in la in lebron james return game last night it's just just like like does any week for a team encapsulate this batshit season more than this one and here's here's another wild thing for sacramento they still have three games against oklahoma city so it's gonna get real weird real fast um oh man well i'm I'm actually i'm not feeling so good about thunder under anymore now uh, i mean my my dream is that they split the games well enough now that the kings beat the lakers that they split those games well enough that both go over and then i then i get bragging right because that's what actually what i need in order to kind of win our best oh yeah yeah i mean you're pretty well so they already have 26 wins right there over under was like 27 and a half this is is going to be another one of those ones where you're gonna uh luck out to the win expectation like these guys are 30th (laughs) and defense these these fuckers don't deserve to be winning 27 and a half it's a games. it's a line drive in the box score my friends um but i want to start with this question from ash k on discord uh, what could be salvaged from the remainder of this king season um and and for me there are a couple of different things so one it's a definitely a silver lining but i think it's a prominent one that we're getting to see tyrese halliburton with the ball in his hands more both with and against starters i think that that's good they're good reps for him to get but it's also nice to understand kind of what he can do in that role you know you still want De'Aaron Fox to be the to be the best player on this team probably but if Halliburton and he has impressed me at, at, at moments in time during the stretch I think that is an important thing to salvage this season yeah maybe they can rehab Bagley's value a little bit he returned on Friday in that win over the Lakers and still working his way back a little bit but but good to see him out there but Halliburton to me is the centerpiece of all of this because you can get a better idea now what Halliburton is now is not the same as what he'll be four years from now but still useful information and useful experience for 
Tyrese. Yeah, that's really uh, important to me. Uh, and uh, Rashawn Holmes is back. He's playing well uh, again now. But, you know, Talbert, 23 points, 10 assists. He was great uh, against the Golden State Warriors. I don't think they need to play him 39 minutes. That seems a little extreme. Uh, I, I did enjoy the portion of Ash's question where it said, sack Walton now and, and see another coach uh that well, we, uh, we, those, we can those cover that in a different question sacked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but yeah no Halliburton just seeing what it's like to really be the on-ball guy running a ton of pick and rolls per game uh letting him work on his off the dribble shooting a little bit of his mid-range stuff uh, as well see what it's like to be the focus of opposing defenses get pressured force him to I think this is even because he's a really hard worker to understand what he needs to work on in the offseason <laughs> left hand uh so let's get to this one from e-money who should the kings target to replace luke walton as their coach it's funny that this comes up because you had this theory danny that chris finch may have been their guy with monty mcnair a houston guy and then another houston guy had to act fast to get chris finch during the season and take some criticism for it uh so with chris finch gone anybody like come to mind here well, so, or even like just like a type of coach yeah i have i have Dave yeager is available i have two different things so one is is um generally speaking the value-add coaches haven't had a previous job like you know you could go through you know spell and there are a few exceptions like doc and, and others but generally speaking those coaches don't move around as much especially now that i think front offices are better run than they were before so that means your best chance at getting that kind of a coach as a first-time nba head coach yeah. but one guy that i thought of it but we don't know enough about them as assistants to like say oh darvin ham is great or somebody like that like maybe he is i don't know um but the one guy that i thought of especially if the kings and this person were willing to go maybe a short-term route is to me the most important thing that sacramento needs over the next couple years is a defensive foundation and the guy that i thought of who is currently under contract with another team but might not be for very much longer is steve clifford and so the idea being sacramento you they maybe they can draft somebody that they think or sign somebody that they think is their defensive foundation of the future kind of let let clifford build a theory around it and yeah i think being a little bit worse i think having a four raising coach right now isn't the best idea but it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world either to kind of if you can instill some of that stuff and then carry that over to a more creative coach eventually i think they need to just go like billy martin style with dave yeager it's a new it's a new front office now bring back yeager marvin bagley just who's the have, have, guy co, that have co-coaches with. with yeager and george carl <laughs> george george carl may be uh ready to head it uh into the coaching sunset at this point but uh so mike d'antoni is another name that came Ooh. to mind if he were a little bit younger i'd feel better about that but someone who's gonna make these guys run like crazy now pretty incredible that this king's team is 11th on offense i i was joking about their defense being 30th i guess we never did uh, all of the rest of their sets 4.8 net rating 25th 11th on offense 30th on defense projecting for a robust 30 wins 12th Ooh. in the conference but yeah d'antoni i think would be a really good fit get the most out of fox and halliburton and d'antoni could finally get back to his roots of really trying to push the ball and run which they he hasn't really been able to do these last couple teams with some of the vets that he's had and maybe maybe you could have a thought of we're gonna bring in d'antoni and maybe we can bring in a really highly regarded assistant who can kind of learn under him with the idea that in two three years there's a succession plan that that guy could take over and they could continue to run the same type of system maybe that's a 
something that they could look at doing potentially i think d'antoni is like 71 right now but he seems uh quite uh have a lot of uh, vitality and just did this uh, one pin- just yeah, quickly from matt conway um basically like what type of players should the kings get to complement fox and halburn they need a defensive identity that is the biggest thing that sacramento needs moving forward yeah okay uh that we went long on the kings after having so few questions here spurs 31 and 31 six and five since the last 15 and 60 plus 0.5 net rating 15th in the nba 15th on offense 10th on defense they project for the 10 seed 34 wins and let's start with this one cd 28 where would you rate Jakob purtle as a starting center pulling up my center rankings pulling up my own center rankings but I, off the top of my head here i mean I, I had him in a group between this is enough top of my head i'm now looking at my sheet uh 11 and 20 so serge ibaka brooke lopez zubat sabonis vucevic Jakob purtle is probably a is a top five room protecting center in the nba his free throw shooting has gotten better that was a big concern when you're shooting 25 percent from the line it seems like as long as he's good enough where you can't just hack him anymore i think he's reached that point so you can feel good about that he's actually more mobile than a lot of these big rim protecting centers as well like if you put him in a switch I mean, he's not going to just you know guard james harden on 30 switches a game but he can kind of force guys off the line a little bit then bother him from behind uh with his length blocking shots so i think he's a very solid starting center that is a good contract that they have him on he's a uh, probably the biggest reason that their defense has been good and in fact when he's been out there it's been really really good you take out the lamarcus aldridge starting at center units uh, and you know they're brushing up against it being even a top five group so i think they can with some of the role players that they have on the wing i think they can have a very very solid defense and have that be the foundation of at least a competitive team going forward so i, I really like yaku purtle i know you do as well you might have even ranked him higher than me if i, I did i had him i so i i wasn't focusing too much on numbers within a tier but i had him 12th and i think that purtle i am worried about him defensively in the playoffs but i'm also worried about basically everybody else i have in the tier defensively in the playoffs so that is a a reasonable like kind of i think it's a fair place to put him and and somebody asked like basically how much um, Carl asked how much would he get as a free agent last, if he were this year instead of last year. I think it'd probably be in the 13 to 15 million range. I mean, players who don't really have that top five potential aren't really going to get paid. And we, I think we're seeing, an, I think it's an even grislier market for him than like Clint Capella faced when he went to the Rockets and got about 15 million when he got that contract for 15 million a year. Uh, but I want to do this one briefly from Mark Tremaine, basically asking what are the long-term pros and cons for these teams like the Spurs and Pels and maybe the Warriors to finishing 10th versus 11th in the West. And worth noting that the draft upside slash downside is pretty marginal unless you make the playoffs and if you make the playoffs that's a pretty good deal for you and i wouldn't expect that any of those teams you know especially the the spurs and the pels would make the playoffs as the 10 so you know maybe it's a draft draft spot or two that weakens your top four odds and everything else um but i also think that getting you know getting that play in game one maybe two is it's good experience for your guys and san antonio has this very young core so i mean i think that it's it's going for it versus not going for it I don't think makes a huge difference I mean yeah I guess maybe there's a little bit of a risk of injury but I think you just kind of play out the string and if you get it great and if you don't get it you're not going to cry too hard all right last Spurs question we didn't have a ton of those questions but I think this one is is interesting for the Spurs how would you feel about putting in offers on either Duncan Robinson or Lowry Markkinen and this ties in with some of the other questions that we've had as well of like okay if DeRozan leaves like what do what do they do uh and they still need someone to score they haven't been good without DeRozan on the floor and 
I, I like the idea of Duncan Robinson in San Antonio. Now, is he going to get as much license to bomb it as he did in Miami? Maybe not. The Spurs have just boatloads of cap space this offseason, and he's a guy who can kind of give you a theory of your offense, some stuff to run where he can make all of these other guys look better because you're so worried about him coming off the screens or handoffs on the perimeter. And they have a lot of guys who are athletic, straight line drivers like Derek White and Keldon Johnson, who maybe are not unbelievable on ball creators against a set defense. And so maybe you can use Robinson to scramble things. I think that's actually a really good idea. I like it too. Uh, on Duncan Robinson. And Markin is another one where he's the type of player that they've had success with and maybe someone that their development system could get more out of. And they've got Pirtle as a, a rim protector next to him. So I, I think bo- both of those, well, obviously Robinson will cost far more than Markin. Something else I, I like about Duncan Robinson is he's, you know, he he's older with his circuitous path to this point, but so are some of the Spurs, young, the Spurs younger guys. I mean, this is age 26 season for Derek White, 24 for DeJounte, Lonnie and Ken, and Keldon Johnson are a little younger, and Pirtle's 25. So, I mean, you, I think that he would actually be a reasonable fit on the kind of timeline component as well. And I mean, our guess is that Duncan Robinson's game is going to age pretty well considering what he does. The Utah Jazz, 45 and 18, 5 and 5 though, since the last 15 and 60 with the Mitchell and Conley out, it's been a struggle. They got completely blown out by the Suns. That game was over about 10 minutes in or so. Uh, they're still 10.9 net rating. That is first. That's almost three points better than anyone else, but they had, that's on the strength of a lot of blowouts early in the season. Third on offense, they are actually now first on defense, a little bit ahead of the Lakers. 52 wins. They're still projected to go one ahead of the Suns. I don't necessarily project that, though. We'll see what when Conley and Mitchell can returns. They have made the playoffs. Let's start with this one from Pete. Which LA team do they match up better against? So, I mean, the, the general assumption should be that the Jazz defensively are kind of going to play their game. And that might lead you to say they would have more trouble against the against the Clippers because they have these dominant wing scorers, Kawhi. And then Paul George is a little bit different in terms of how he's used. So, so like, that might give them more trouble. But I I think that the, the reason it, it still probably is the Clippers is that I wonder about the other end of the, I'm trying to think, like, which team do you think defends the Jazz better of these two? Uh, you'd, you'd probably have to, well, I don't know. Intuitively, I, I think, intuitively, I think it would be the Clippers, but from what I recall, I think it's off yeah. the top of my head, it's been the Lakers. I mean, the, the one game that the Clippers and Jazz played against each other at full strength was like one of like the four games this regular season between contenders when they're all at full strength has been one of the bigger disappointments of this season. There's just been like no big games, but I, I thought the Clippers did really cause problems for the Jazz defensively with their switching. I think the Lakers, you know, I don't recall see a full strength Lakers versus Jazz game this year either so you just got to kind of extrapolate out what it would be but the Lakers are going to play a conventional pick and roll defense style which plays more into the Jazz hands and even if they want to go AD more out on the floor playing a a style where you know like worked so well against portland and houston putting two on the ball and pick and roll that's what the jazz want you to do because they're going to run multiple pick and rolls they're going to move the ball they're not reliant on just one star one angle of attack the way portland and houston were last year and so i think i would say ultimately the lakers in their absolute best lineup they might have better personnel and anthony davis is the type of player that the clippers just don't have but i do think that the clippers their overall scheme and ability to switch and there i think they're going to do that more often throughout 
more of the game. They're not going to play a traditional center a lot of the time, whereas the Lakers are always going to do that, even if they run some AD at center. And, and even when AD is at center, the Lakers are not going to switch throughout entire possessions, probably. Yeah, I think I would go with the Clippers, even though the Lakers are an overall best defensive team, just against that specific matchup but i could easily be wrong there uh, as well oh let's go to big match um how would you rank the jazz core players according to their importance in the upcoming playoff run i would have donovan mitchell one gobert two connelly three and i oh i i have gobert i have gobert number one no see for me like if if gobert isn't dominating they have no chance see for me it's i think donovan mitchell needs to dominate for their offense to be good enough to be at that level and gobert i i kind of think i think there's less variance in gobert's performance than there is with donovan mitchell you know even going back to their their playoff series last last year it's interesting that we disagree yeah I, I mean if you wanted to say like who's more like the important variable and the x factor i would agree with you on mitchell but if you're just gonna say who's the most important i think it's gobert he's their best player everything that they they have no chance to stop anyone without gobert playing well i think they there is a chance for them to score in a given game even if mitchell doesn't doesn't play well and we got this asked a couple different ways um tom ferris and there was actually one i believe in the lakers section about like if you're the jazz wouldn't avoiding the lakers at all costs be more important than the one seed and i I've made this argument before, uh, including most notably off the top of my head with the Rockets a couple of years ago, that if your goal is to make it out of the conference, and maybe for certain teams, your goal is just to win a series, win two, you know, whatever it is. I think if you're really scared of the Lakers, you want to play them early rather than late. And that doesn't mean first round, obviously, but I would rather just because the idea is basically that at that it's longer from AD and LeBron's injuries. They, they've had more time to kind of get their balance right. So if I if my goal as the Jazz was to make it out of the Western Conference, I would want to play the Lakers in the second round. It increases your downside, of course, like these that you were a one and out, even though you had the best net rating in the league. But if that it depend, that's why defining your goals is so important. You're gonna have to face them anyway, probably. Yeah. That, now you might say the advantage is that someone else plays the Lakers in the first round and beats them. You know, I mean, I think you, or you in would, the second round, you'd rather. That's the, I think that's the logic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you, I guess you you would rather that the Lakers have to go against a good team that might just beat them than you don't have to face them at all. But if you're if if the construct is you have to, you're assuming you're going to play the Lakers at some point, yeah, I think getting them early uh, could be good. I mean, particularly with this, uh, LeBron saying he's still feeling some tightness in that ankle, and AD it hasn't really looked like himself yet. So give him less time to play uh play their way into it all right we got one more here and danny i will direct this to you since you are the person who created this does jordan clarkson pass the nene test which is whether a contract is tradable for positive or negative value does he pass the nene test should the jazz look to move him this offseason i will say i co-created with amino hassan but um clarkson 12.4 million next year 13.3 the year after and then a 14.3 million player option for those who remember the player option is why i went completely crazy on this contract one sign i think that he's worth it now but that that balance is going to shift but i think it's close i think it's close and remember also that at some point in the future we don't know exactly when that's going to be contract contract values are going to rise because the revenue is going to increase and so clarkson at this point he's 28 i think he's pretty close to even value looking forward and i'm more of a clarkson and skeptic than most so i i think he's i think he, he probably if we're calibrating on gms i think there are gms that see it as positive value right now yeah he's really fallen off obviously he's well below average now in true shooting three-point shooting has fallen off his floater which is kind of working into the lane with spacing around him against the smaller defenders that was a big part of his game that hasn't worked as well the one thing is he doesn't turn the ball over but uh, yeah i mean he's 
29% usage and below average true shooting and not great defense, even though he's been better in Utah than he had been previously. No, I, I it wouldn't for me, but maybe it will for some. And thanks again for joining us here on Dunked On, a little special early edition Saturday. Uh, and a reminder, you can join us on Locker Room at 6 Eastern, 3 Pacific on Tuesday. That's a, another free pod that you're getting in your feed now as well. Or you can jump in live with us. They even have an Android beta. Uh, but that will do it for today. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you all next week. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.